and uh, I don't uh, think we're going to get completely done with this tonight, so I'm probably going to continue this thought. Uh, God put this on my heart. A lot of times as a pastor, uh, you, you, you preach Christmas after Christmas, and, uh, and I, I try to stay fresh with messages, but a lot of times I, I'll ask the Lord, God put this on my, on my mind in my heart about the name of Jesus. And I love the name of Jesus. And uh, as you see there, Jesus name above all names. And uh, he, right here in the Christmas passage, I want you to see beginning in uh, verse number 26, the Bible says in Luke 1, it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shalt bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And when you look at this passage, and for years after I got saved, we would read this passage every year with our children. We'd sit down, I mean, from the youngest I can remember, we would read the Christmas story, and I'd loved it. What we would do as they got old enough to read is, is I would say, now look, each one of you take two verses, and we'll go around, and if we have, we'll just continue to go around until we read them all. And it was just so precious to hear uh, my young children reading what we call the Christmas story. But it's, it, it's, what got me was where the Bible says here that the angel told Mary that thou shalt call his name Jesus. And of course, then in verse 32, we'll take a look at that. But years ago, there was a man, many years ago now, there was a man by the name of Charles uh, Wycliffe. And Charles Wycliffe penned these words, and maybe you've heard them before. They were put to a song, and this is how the words go. There's a name above all others, wonderful to hear, bringing hope and cheer. It's the lovely name of Jesus, evermore the same. What a lovely name. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus, reaching higher far than the brightest star, sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven. Let the world proclaim, what a lovely name. And I, I, think, I think that uh, Wycliffe just, just hit it right on the head there because what he's making reference to here in this song is he's talking about Jesus, the name of Jesus. And it, it's one of those names that as you search the scriptures, you even could go back into the Old Testament. You could find that this name was one of the greatest heroes, heroes in the history of the nation of Israel, and that man's name was Joshua. It's interesting when you study the Bible because Joshua is the Hebrew form, Yeshua, and you find here that Jesus is the Greek, Jesus, is the Greek name. Both of those names mean Jehovah is salvation. Think about that. Jehovah is salvation. See, many times, in, especially in the Old Testament passages, and there are some in the New Testament, you find that many names had great significance. That when they heard that name, that name meant something. That Many times that's why 
they would name a child a certain name. And, and it's interesting here that the name Jesus was a name that the angel told Mary. She didn't even have to consult or think about or pray about what name am I going to name this child. And Jesus, when he was born in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago, here's an interesting thought is when you study and historically there were many children named Jesus at that particular time. I know for years as a Christian, I always thought the name Jesus was something that God reserved just for his son. But when you study it out, there were many children that were named Jesus. But can I tell you, as you study the Bible, there was none child other than Jesus. There was never a child like him ever before or after Jesus came into this world. And it's a wonderful thing when you study the life of Jesus. Look what it says in Matthew 1.21. There Matthew says in about the same passage, She shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now notice what Matthew records. Call his name Jesus. Look at the phrase. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now look here. Did you catch the wording there? He shall save. No other child named Jesus could do that. He shall save his people. Here's this child being born, and it's his people. A lot of times we read the Christmas story, we miss things, and it's right in front of our faces how that the Bible says that he shall, when the angel came to Mary and he visited with Mary, and he told Mary the amazing news that she, who was a virgin, and of course, Mary pondered, Mary thought, how is this possible? I don't even, I've never been with a man. I don't even know how this is possible. When, when the angel told her, he told her that she would give birth to the Son of God. Now, I, I, you know, a lot of times I, when I'm out, I've mentioned this before, when I go door knocking and I talk to people about their, their eternity, and I think of the gravity of that, here's another one of those situations where Mary is told she's going to have a son, that's one thing. But then the son that you're going to have, he's the son of God. That'd be a hard pill to swallow. You know, my wife was in the hospital and, and uh, you know, usually she does pretty good with medication. And the nurse came in and she said, I need to give you some medicine. And she handed my wife this pill. And it, it, it first thing crossed my, my mind was horse pill. That thing was the biggest pill I ever saw in my life. And my wife goes, I don't think that with all I've been through, I don't think I could swallow that. And, and the nurse said, well, that's okay. Here, I can fix that. And she had, I didn't even, they got these little things. You stick it in there and, and it cuts the pill in half. And, and she took half and then she took the other half. But listen, for Mary to hear that, you know, that he, he look, his name would be Jesus. He would save his people. Look what the Bible says in Luke 2.21. And I love this because she heard that. I mean, how many times... Do we hear something from God and we sit around and have the paralysis of analysis? Am I going to do that? Am I going to obey that? And a lot of times it, what God asks us to do makes a whole lot more sense than what God asked Mary to do. But look what it says just a chapter over Luke 2.21. When eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called what? Jesus, now watch this, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
You know what Mary did? Mary obeyed. Uh, Joseph didn't even have a say in the matter, you know? And, and you just think about how she obeyed. And so what I want to do tonight and maybe even next week if we don't get through this is I want to think about that lovely name that Wycliffe wrote about, the name of Jesus, and, and how that name tells us about who he is, but also what he came to do. Because really that's what Christmas is all about. It's not about the presents. It's not about the tree. It's not about food. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to see tonight, first of all, that his name declares that he is the Son of God. Look back in verse 32. Look what it says here. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. This baby would be like no other baby because he was the Son of God. He was the eternal Son of God who had existed with his Father from eternity past, but I love the fact that what God did was, the Bible says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son into this world. God chose the timing. God chose the place. Jesus stepped out of eternity past, and he stepped into our world, and he was born of a virgin. The Isaiah, the, the Old Testament prophet, he prophesied about this, how that this prophecy would be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Look in your notes there. You should know the verse, Isaiah 7, 14. Tremendous verse here. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. Now, what did Isaiah write? Call his name what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now, a lot of times people think, well, what does that mean? Well, look, the Bible many times will define itself. It will it will further expand something. So look what it, Mark, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Here's the same passage that Isaiah had, Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And here it says, which being interpreted is what? God with us. See, all this time, you know, and by the way, when you, when you look at the beginning of what we call the gospel records, the gospel of Matthew being the first of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that for 400 years, there was no new prophecy from God. It was a silent time. Uh, God had given prophecy. God had given word, His word, to the Old Testament prophets. But because of sin and rebellion in man's heart, God went silent for four years. Sometimes they call that the intertestimonial period. In our Bible, it would be from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, from the end of the book of Malachi to the beginning of the book of Matthew. So the first thing that you hear is that God would send forth a son, that he would be born of a virgin, but he would be the son of the highest. He was the son of God. So you think about the name of Jesus this is who he is. He's the Son of God. He is God in human flesh. As, as Isaiah and Matthew wrote, he is God with us. Now, let me ask you a question. Is God with you today? Sure is, isn't he? God is still with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And aren't you glad that Jesus came? The Bible says in John 1, in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Folks, it doesn't get any more clear than that. 
That, that verse alone gives you a huge understanding of the eternality. How about that? Go 13 verses later. Look what John records. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father. Listen, when we say the name of Jesus, you know what we're naming? We are naming the Son of God. He is the Son of of the highest. Folks, a lot of times we hear the name Jesus, we don't think about what all is involved in who he is or why he came. And the Bible says he came that he would save his people from their sins. Look at the second thing here. His name declares that he is the king of Israel. Go back to verse 32. Look at this. He shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest. Now watch this. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, who? David. Now, look at this. This baby that the Bible's describing here that was born in such a humble way to such a humble young couple that was dirt poor, that didn't even have a place that they could bring this child into the world, and they ended up in a, in a cattle stall, in a stable, it was in this humble uh, environment that God sent His Son, and this baby would, according to this passage, he would be the direct descendant of who? King David. He would be the direct descendant. He would be the king of Israel. He is the fulfillment of God's promise that God gave to King David years ago. Take your Bible, hold your place here. Go over to 2 Samuel for just a little bit. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. Come on, turn pages of your Bible. You've got to see this, not in your notes. All right, 2 Samuel chapter number 7. Now we're talking about Jesus being the fulfillment of the fact that he would sit on the throne of his father David and that he is the, the king of Israel. Now look, when Jesus was on this earth, they wanted him to establish his kingdom while he was on this earth. But according to the word of God and according to what Jesus said at that time, it was not yet time for him to establish his kingdom. It still is yet future, but he will establish that kingdom someday. Look what the Bible says here in chapter number 7 of 2 Samuel, and beginning in verse number 4. Look at this. Here's the message that God gives to David. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go, tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me in house, uh, build a house, built me in house for me to dwell in, whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. Verse number seven, and in all places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye me in house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou winnest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, now watch this, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. 
And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have cursed thee to, to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. And when thy days, now he's talking to David through Nathan, now look at this, when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep, in other words, he, he is, his, his life on earth is over. He says, I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom for how long? Forever. Hey, folks, you go on to read how God is saying that it is through David, that it is a direct descendant of David, that he would be the king of Israel. Unlike any other king in the line of David, this king would have a reign that would last, you just said it, forever. You see, many kings came and went. They, some reigned long, some reigned short. But Jesus' kingdom will have no end. Look what Isaiah said in Isaiah 9 there in your notes. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now watch, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice, look at the words, from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In other words, folks, one day the king of glory, the king of Israel, Jesus, will return and he will rule. And according to the book of Revelation, he will rule with a rod of iron. That's what the Bible says. Yes, sir. Jerusalem. That's right. And that's, that's exactly why that has been on the news for so long. And it's interesting that our president is taking a stand against that. It's good. <laughs> Look, look what it says here in Revelation 19.15. Look at this. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and tread at the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So folks, look, when you say the name of Jesus, it's so much more than we think it is because it is, you are naming the name of the Son of God, the Son of the Highest. And secondly, you are naming the fact that He is the King of Israel. You think about all those people, Brother Flynn, that mocked Him when He hung on the cross. And they put those accolades above Him while He hung there. If He be the King of Jews, folks, He is the King of the Jews. And we see this in the Word of God. And folks, there is so... Honestly, look, I am just scratching the surface when it comes to the name of Jesus tonight. But I want you to see this from the Christmas story. Look at the third thing his name declares, that he is the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, there's a lot of prophecy I could go to, but I'm going to keep myself right here in the passage tonight in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 33. Look what it says. And he shall reign over the house of what? Verse 33, the house of who? Come on, the house of who? Jacob, for how long? Forever. Now, now look, it just mentioned 
that he would be a direct descendant of David. But look what it says in verse 33. Now that you're looking, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now here's what the, when you look at this phrase, here's what I get out of this. Is it, it talks about that he would be, go beyond, far b- back the time of David, all the way back to the days of Jacob. That's what it says right here in verse 33. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now, what that brings to my mind as I was thinking this afternoon is this, is that the words of Jacob, what he spoke to his son Judah just before his life expired. I wrote there in your notes, look at it. Genesis 49, look at verse number 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet, look at those next three words, until Shiloh come. Anybody ever read that and often thought, what is Shiloh? You know, till Shiloh comes. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now, here's Jacob, and he's an old man. He's the patriarch of Israel, and he's telling his son Judah and his descendants that one day that they, they would be the rulers of the, 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 the nation of Israel, but he is telling him, look at this, again, until Shiloh comes. He names one by the name of Shiloh. Now, the word Shiloh, here's what it means. It means he whose it is. Or if I could put it into English that all of us might understand, he to whom it belongs to. That's what, that's what Shiloh means. And so he's saying here that that there's going to come a day that the supreme ruler will come to whom it belongs. By the way, the whole earth is the Lord's, is it not? Right? When you stop and think about it. But here in this passage, he's just talking about uh, Israel. He's talking about Jerusalem. Look, this ruler will be the possessor of all the people and of all things on this earth. And it's interesting because Jacob says to his son, he says, until Shiloh come, but look at the last part of verse 10, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now that word gathering, here's what it means. It literally means obedience, cleansing, and purging. Now you're thinking about the one to whom it belongs to. And it says here that, in other words, the king, the supreme king, we're talking about Jesus. The supreme king will be reverenced and he will, uh, by the people, and here's what he will do when he establishes his kingdom. He will cleanse his people. He will purge his people. You know why? Because he has claimed them as his own. And that is what the Lord will do. Look, this baby that we're talking about, Jesus, that Mary was told about by this angel, There's so much more in that name because when you say the name Jesus, you are talking about the one who perfectly fulfills the prophecy of the ancients concerning the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ child. And all of that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. I think, again, Wycliffe got it right when he said, what a lovely name, the name of Jesus. But look at the last one because his name also declares that he is the champion of humanity, the champion of humanity. Look back up in verse 32 in Luke chapter 1, and look at these words. The very first phrase, he shall be great. Now that word right there, that is descriptive of the Lord Jesus. 
It means to be great in importance, but also in estimation. You know, a lot of people thought about Jesus when he was on this earth, and they thought, well, isn't that Joseph's son, the carpenter's son? You know, many, many references in the Word of God, and probably many more that weren't given to us in the Word of God, where people look down at who Jesus was. But again, the Bible says, he shall be great. There's no other birth. You study out human history, no other birth in human history has as much of a, of a monumental effect on this world as the birth of Christ. I mean, you could study it out. Listen, after four daughters and five granddaughters, God finally gave me a grandson. And as monumental as that is, it doesn't even compel to the, what happened when God sent His Son who would be the champion of all humanity. When Jesus came into this world, you know what he did? He took his place as the greatest of the great. The Bible says he shall be great. Look, you study the Bible. When God created everything in this world, he created man. And when God created the first man, Adam, we understand when we study the word of God that the Bible says that Adam was made in the image of God that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and that he breathed into man's nostrils and he gave man life. And as you study, of course, the word of God, the Bible says in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let, us have, let them have dominion. Look at this. God placed him over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For God, look at this, created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Just over in chapter 2, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now here's what happened. Man sinned. God created man, and because of sin, man, or Adam being the first man, he brought death, he brought condemnation. You think about this, that condemnation, that sin is passed upon all of us. You know why? Because all of us, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what your last name is, doesn't matter what your nationality is, if Adam was the first man, we are all descendants of Adam. That, that includes every one of us. We're all sinners, saved by the grace of God, I pray, but the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man, that's talking about Adam in Romans 12, uh, 5, 12, it says, sin entered into the world and death by sin. By the way, it doesn't say as by one woman, does it? So all the responsibility God put on the man. And it says here that, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. See, that man, Adam, the first man that God created, he brought shame, he brought disgrace, he brought the curse upon the whole world and upon every one of his offsprings. Now that sounds like a pretty sad story, doesn't it? But aren't you glad for the second Adam? Aren't you glad for Jesus? See, when you study the Word of God, that, that shows me right there the love of God. And it also helps me understand the precious aspect of the name of Jesus. Because God did not leave us without hope. And we find here that the second Adam was the one that came and fixed everything that the first Adam broke. <laughs> I 
Everything that man touched, everything that, that he, he corrupted. See, when Jesus was born, the Bible tells us that he was made in the image of man. Now, isn't that interesting? Because when God created man, he made man in his own image. But the Bible says, look at Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When Jesus was born, unlike you and me, Jesus was born without sin. Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God. He lived without sin, and in his death, he died for sin. You see, the lovely name of Jesus, the second Adam was a greater miracle than the first Adam because Jesus caused light to shine out of the darkness. Jesus came into a world that was sin-cursed, and had God not sent His Son, we would not have the hope that we've been talking about. See, His life uh, brought forth, uh, uh, His life and His death brought forth life. He caused salvation to destroy condemnation because of this, because the Bible says he shall be great. See, when you name the name of Jesus, you know who you're talking about to me? You're talking about my hero. You're talking about the one that if it wasn't for him, I know where I'd be heading today. You see, what a lovely name, the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. You know why? Because the name of Jesus delivers us. A verse I never got over, and I still love the verse. Look there, Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There, there's no other person, folks. There's no one else that could have satisfied the just demands of a holy God other than Jesus. And I think about, here's a, here's a great uh, thought here in, in Acts 3. Look at verse 16, how powerful the name of Jesus is. Here's a, here's a passage here. His name, the name of Jesus, through faith in His name, hath made this man, this man who was not whole. He made this man strong, whom ye now see and know. Yea, the faith that is by Him hath given this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You say, well, what happened to him? He met Jesus. What a wonderful name, the name of Jesus. You know what? It's a name above all names. Now, folks, look here. If you want to do something fun, I've given you a great little skeleton. If you take that and spend a little time over the next couple of days, I guarantee you're going to find a whole lot more than I could cover in 30 minutes here tonight. There is so much about the name of Jesus. Every time we say his name, he's the son of God. And I'm glad that he was willing to come to this earth and to become a man without ceasing to be God, to give his life that we can have eternal life someday. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being such a wonderful savior. Lord, I thank you that without you, we would not have the hope that we do. And this Christmas season and every day of our lives, Lord, may we think about 
how so much of the Old Testament pointed to you. You are the fulfillment of those prophecies. And Lord, there is still coming a day that you will establish your kingdom. You will put your foot down one day at your second coming and you will establish your kingdom. You will rule and reign. And Lord, I know this. It is because you are worthy, because you are God. Lord, we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.